everyone, and welcome to the Fire Pit again. I am Caleb, and I am here with our high school director, Evan. And... What's up? Oh, wow. Sorry, I just wanted to jump, that jump was right fun. in there. Yeah. That was fun. And we are here in week three of our series that we've been going through goals, which is about the God-sized goals that we can accomplish with God's help. Mm-hmm. And there's... You know, we've talked to the past few weeks, we've been talking through the book of Nehemiah and the goal and the task that God gave to Nehemiah and what that looked like for him. Last week, we even, you know, in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, but not, we hadn't planned it at all. Accidentally in honor of Accidentally in honor. The story of Nehemiah really has a lot of parallels to the story of Martin Luther King Jr. in a Mm -hmm. way. And so we kind of talked about that as well as the story of Nehemiah. And we're going to continue the book of Nehemiah today. And it has a lot of things that are associated with it and that go on. And I have to tell you, Evan, this this section of Nehemiah is... What's what's the right word? Uh, Nehemiah chapter 3 is boring. I mean, it depends on how you take it. If you don't like to hear about uh, the the different lo- geographical locations of ancient Israel and what they're doing to rebuild the walls, and you're asking yourself, what does God want me to learn from these particular passages? In that case, yes, it's it's pretty boring. It's, but if you like hearing people say, we need this much wood to build this wall, and this gate's doing this, you know. Yeah, it's it's just, you know, like 20-something verses... Of them saying, this person worked on this small section of the wall. And this person worked on this section of the wall. And I was reading it and I'm like, I get it. A lot of people worked on this wall. I, It definitely is one of the more boring sections of scripture. And we're not going to super focused hard on it no. today. However, I do want to point out that these people worked so well that their names ended up in the Bible. That's so, true. Even though it is a boring part to read, we can always remind ourselves that these people were followers of Christ who did the job that God called them to do, and they did it so well that they were given recognition in the most important book on the planet. So that's it g- true. gives you a little bit of a reason to learn some of their names. I can't pronounce most of them, but some of them. Right. I mean, you know, those names are recorded they're there for a reason they're there for a purpose even if we don't understand it yeah uh it seems like there are a lot of background characters to the story but i think that's also part of god's plan is that it takes a lot of people in the backgrounds working for god-sized goals as well you are not going to be doing it alone oh yeah and now evan i just just because i'm looking at you but looking past you at a wall of Star Wars Funko Pops that I have behind you. Oh, boy. Um, I, and we're talking about all these names. I have a challenge for you. Okay. Okay. I want to see how well we know Star Wars characters. Oh, boy. You're going to put me on the spot and I'm going to forget everything I once knew. Yeah, all you're going to remember is Jar Jar Binks. That's going to be all that it is. J.J. Binks! <laughs> and so I'm going to... I'll let, I'll let you start. Okay. But... I'm, so what are we doing? Okay, so I want you to name a Star Wars character. Okay. And then I am going to try and name a Star Wars character that their name starts with the last letter of the name you just said. Okay. And then it'll after I say a name, it'll go back to you. And we'll just see which one of us can name more of these Star Wars characters with that added twist of, you know, trying to match it from the last letter of that name to the first letter of the next. Okay. I know you're still partly asleep, so I just want to challenge us a little like bit. It feels like it's been a longer day than it has been. Let's let's start with uh let's start with an easy combination of letters. Let's just go uh let's go Luke. 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 Okay. Um you know, you would think that would be an easy combination of letters. And now I'm trying to start with one that starts e. with an E, and all I can think is Ewan McGregor, but that's know, not the that's character's all, that's name. That's all in my head, too. That's Obi-Wan. Uh, can I say an Ewok? Ewok works. Okay. There, I don't think Ewoks have names in the movies. Right, okay, so Ewoks. Ewoks. So I you give me Ewok. K. Uh-huh. Kia di Mundi. 
Okay. If you um, don't know, he's the Jedi with the extremely long forehead. Yes. Very big. So I... I... Man. Um, IG-11. Ooh, I like how does, it. How does the, you go with an 11? Do you go with the N, the end of the 11, or G? Let's go with the N. Okay. Because you did say 11. I did. Say N. Um... That starts with K. Can't use that. I was thinking Knights of Ren, but that starts with K. N. Oh, boy. You might have me. I can't think of a character that starts with N. Nyx? N-Y-X? No, that's not a character. That's the Greek goddess of darkness. Oh. Not Star yeah. Wars. No, I think I'm. I think I'm at my. I think I'm at my limit. I really? Can I think of any that start with N? By um, the way, if you can think of a Star Wars character that starts with N, and we fail, uh, go ahead and let us know because we classify both of ourselves as nerds, and if we're failing this early into this game, it's making me a little sad. N. Hmm. N from Star Wars. You know, I, I'm i struggling to think of one. I'm struggling to think of one that starts with N. I'm sure there are plenty. Yeah. I mean, I can name off a bunch of Star Wars characters, but right. N is an interesting letter. I'm not sure. Does that mean I win? I guess that means you win. Woo! Yeah. You win. <laughs> anyway... Thanks for you know geeking names, out with us. For names a are bit. hard, man. Names are hard, and there are lots of them that take place in Nehemiah chapter three. Ah, we went from N. Let's just go right into Nehemiah. That name starts with an N. Ooh, I like it. Um, but like we have Nehemiah is obviously there, but then there are some of these names that I'm sure I'm going to butcher. There's Elishab, Jericho, Zakur, Hassanah, Merimoth, Meshalem, Zadok, and then. It makes it, it says the people from Tekoa. So I'm guessing there was an area named, called Tekoa where people joined in. Then we have Joyada, Meshalam, Melatia, Jadon, Gibeon, people from Mizpah, Uziel, Hananiah, Rephiah, Jediah, Hattush, Malkaijah, Hashub, Shalom, and his daughters. Makes it very specific, Shalom and his daughter. So those are the only females mentioned in the rebuilding of this wall. The people from Zanoa, led by Hanun, um, Raham, Hashaba, Benui, Azur, Baruch, priests from the surrounding region, Benjamin, Azariah, Palal, Padiah, Temple Servants, Zadok, and Shemaiah are just some of the names. That's just a handful. That's just a handful of the names that are listed as these people helping build the wall hmm. and you're probably all thinking okay why in the heck did he just say all of those names um and i said them because here's the incredible thing that i see in these details in these names is that there were so many people involved this was a god-sized project that nehemiah was not able to com complete on his own and he needed every single one of these people to work through it it was a team effort which is also true of most of the movies and the stories that we love. It's not one person going at it on their own. It typically involves a team, a group mm -hmm. of people that maybe find each other along the way or they started together that go and fulfill something amazing. Mm. I'm just thinking like Lord of the Rings. What would that story have been? If we had Frodo, but we didn't have Samwise. It would have been short. It would have been short. And I'm not just talking about how tall Frodo is. Ha! <laughs> um, Or back to, you know, Star Wars. What if in we had Rey, but we didn't have um, Poe or mm. Finn? It, Again, short. It would have been short, and it would have been boring. It would have been really boring. And it would have been very difficult for them to accomplish what they were intending to accomplish 
by themselves. And I think that same thing is true with this plan that Nehemiah had to rebuild the wall. Mm-hmm. And Nehemiah had made plans. He had prayed. He had planned. He had pro- like proposed his idea to the king. The king said yes to every single thing, but he had planned out all the details of what he needed to do, what he needed to ask of the king. Mm-hmm. And then he was strategic. He went and like surveyed the entire city, surveyed the wall, so he knew exactly what needed to be done. And he did all of this before he recruited all of those people to his cause. Mm-hmm. He had the plan fully laid out before he went any further and tried to grab people. Yeah. It teaches you a little bit about what it means to be a good leader. Yeah. Right? Like, you may not have all the answers, but you still come prepared before you start to bring people along for the vision and the dream. Right. And I think that there are times when having people that join you and work with you to, like, come up with the plan is great. Mm Because there are so many people that are better at things than I am. Yeah. And I think Nehemiah probably did the same thing. Because Let's remember, Nehemiah was a a cupbearer to the king. He was not a laborer. Mm -hmm. So he, yes, he had a general plan. He knew what they needed to do. But I'm sure that he got advice and wisdom from people who had those skills. Oh, yeah. To help him along the way. Definitely. And so that Nehemiah chapter 3 is a long list of names of people that ended up helping Nehemiah. And then we get to Nehemiah chapter 4. This section, not boring to me like Nehemiah chapter 4. Yeah, this is where things start to get a little interesting. Mm -hmm. And it gets interesting because we are introduced, I think, to opposition to Mm -hmm. Nehemiah's goal and God's plan. Yeah. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, it starts off... This is Sanballat was very angry when he learned that they were rebuilding, that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends in the Samaritan army officers, what does this punch of, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, That stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. Okay, so there is where we get introduced to the opposition. That's like that's like when... Um, I mean, we're being a little extra nerdy today, <laughs> but, you know, that, that's like when... Gant, and I don't know how much Lord of the Rings people have seen, or, or Star Wars for that matter, but in Lord of the Rings, Gandalf rides up to... Um, who he thinks is a friend, and he is saying, like, we found the ring, it's time to fight back, and then his friend goes, sweet, I'm going to kill everyone and take the ring and, and align myself with him. And it's like the introduction to the bad guy. Yeah. And he hasn't even done anything yet, but you already know this guy, he's got some power, and he's got so much power, he's just kind of showcasing it. Right. To everyone else. Like, he hasn't even done anything, and Sam Balot's like, guys, these, these Jews, they, they can't do nothing. Yeah. Yeah, he is being introduced as the villain to this story. He's the opposition. Yeah. But he's also, him and Tobiah, they're just kind of bullies. <laughs> Very much. They, like, they don't even pull any of their punches. Right. Like, they started off, he called them weak. He mocked the quality of their work. They He mocked their pain, mocked their beliefs, and tried to crush their hope. And even though Nehemiah and his team were being obedient to God... They still had to deal with haters. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a part of their reality. And I think it's also a part of our reality. We're always going to have to deal with some haters when we're working on God-sized goals. Yeah. And then, but then I think it's really interesting how Nehemiah and his team responded to this opposition. And like, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, it says, Then I prayed, hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back onto their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt, do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. At last the wall was completed to half its height around this entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. So there's there's a few things that I noticed there. The first is that Nehemiah didn't get distracted. Like, he didn't fight with these guys. He didn't add to their drama. He didn't even respond to them. Like, he didn't make it a spectacle. Yeah. Instead, Nehemiah took it to God. 
Like he asked God to hear his prayers and make it right. And he wasn't afraid to be honest with God about what he was feeling. And he wanted those guys to be punished. Like, very clearly said it there. Help them, like, make them captives in a foreign land. Hmm. Um, don't blot out their sins. Like, he was angry. He was upset. But he took it to God. I, I think he also, he he does, he wants them to be punished in the same way that the Israelites were punished. Yeah. Right? Like, these guys are mocking your people, God. Punish them in the same way you punished us. Right. For for our sins, you know? Yeah. So it's interesting that, like, what he prays over them. And he, he he's seeking justice for the injustice that has been put on him. But I like how, like you said, he doesn't actually seek it out himself. Right. He he prays to God, and then he, he just keeps building. He keeps mm-hmm. going. He's He knows what God has called him to do. And he sees the opposition, and he prays about it, but he keeps on doing what God has called him to do. Yeah. Like, he didn't let these things distract him from what God had called him to do, and he kept going at, at it. Even though these people, I mean, these are these are powerful people. Yeah. It's not like there's just a random person on the street when you're yelling at them, you're doing a bad job. Like, <laughs> like these are people of influence. These you are missed people a spot. Power. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. these are people with armies by their sides who who can command and attack and and do things that really, if you were there, it would be a fright, frightening situation. But Nehemiah, he knows that God is on his side. Yeah, and even if they're saying these things, even if their threats begin to come to fruition, he still knows God has his back. Right, and then things get a little crazy. Right, yeah. Nehemiah trusted in God through all of this, mm-hmm. even when things got crazy. And they do. They get crazier. You had just said that these men had, like, armies behind them. And they did. And they decided when Nehemiah didn't respond to their provokes, their provocations, they decided that they could, you know, use their armies. And they made a plan to come and fight against Jerusalem and then throw it into confusion and destroy the wall. And Nehemiah knew this was going to happen. And then he took it to God again, like the first thing he did. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 9, he said, But we prayed to our God and we guarded the city night and day to protect ourselves. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who live near the enemy came and told us and again and again, told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with sword, spear, and bows. And he, I, I think that's really interesting that Nehemiah did this. One, we see an escalation. These people went from taunting mm-hmm. to planning um, to swoop down and kill them and end their work. Like, the big escalation. They really did not want this wall to be finished. And so Nehemiah then... You know, he made a plan. He planned for that, took guards, put them in the spots of the wall that were the lowest, where the attack was most likely to happen. And then he called together all of the people and told them, hey, don't be afraid. Remember that God is with us and that we are called to be for each other. We are with each other. And it, verse 14, I, I love, and when I read it, I always get this almost Lord of the Rings style vibe or in, a like a Braveheart kind in, of vibe. In my head, I'm reading it in Aragorn's voice. Like he's on his sword and he's got the shield and he's like, today the day of men will not fail. And then he turns around and runs headlong into an army of orcs. Like that's the vibe that Nehemiah is giving off here. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the great and awe-inspiring Lord and fight for your countrymen, your sons and daughters, your wives and homes. That's how... That's how my, my, my translation does it. And I, I love how he's like, don't fear. Yeah. God is on our side. And when we fight, we're not fighting alone. And we have a reason to bring up arms. We have countrymen. We have our sons, our daughters. Our future is in this. Don't just fight 
for yourself. Fight for us. Fight yeah. for your people. Yeah, it's very much like he. It's. I think it gives that vibe of those movies of a group entering a battle. Mm. And I think that's interesting that Nehemiah chose to do it that way when they weren't actually planning on going into battle. Yeah. Like the plan and the hope was that they are going to continue working and building this wall. And even that is what he is calling them to. Like he said, he's telling them, keep going, be there for each other. We are doing this for our families. We're doing this for everyone. We're doing this for our country. And then instead of them rushing into an army with swords and spears drawn, they pick up their hammers and they pick up their like stones and they start building the wall again. Yeah. You got to think like, and obviously it doesn't, he he goes into a little bit of what he did to protect the people in the next couple of verses, but you got to think that every single person there on one side of them had what they needed to finish the wall, their hammers, their stones, their trowels and whatnot. And then on the other side of them, they had their bows, mm-hmm. their their spears, their swords, their shields. They were prepared for both. And it, like it had to have been a tough time, but Nehemiah was given the charge of God to lead the people. And he did so. He did. And he, I think it's interesting, like he made sure that only half of the people were working Mm. at a time. Didn't want them to all be working, wanted them to be prepared, wanted them to be rested. And then he had one person, he had a trumpeter that stood next to Nehemiah. Mm -hmm. And he told all of the people, hey, if you hear this trumpet, drop whatever you're doing and run to where the trumpet is blowing, and we are going to fight there. We're going to protect the wall there. And it says, verse 21 says, We worked early and late from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way they and their servants could help with guard duty at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me, ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. Which is really interesting. Mm. Like, they were prepared at all times. And I don't know if this was actually what it meant by went for water, but typically that old-time language, when you said you were going for water you were going to the bathroom. Yeah. Like you were going to relieve yourself. So basically he was saying that we never, like we were prepared at all times, no matter what we were doing with our weapons in case something was going to happen. Mm -hmm. And that had to have been inspiring for his people as well to see Nehemiah and all of the leaders um, really so devoted to not just the work of the walls, but to protecting the people. Mm-hmm. Like that's an inspiring thing. And yeah, they were, he was dedicated. And again, this isn't just to defend his people, right? It was God gave him a task to do and he yeah. saw the opposition and he dealt with the opposition, but he never stopped working. Right. He never stopped building the wall. Yeah. And I think it's really cool how he went about this. He took it to God again. Like he'd been, basically in constant communication with God since the very beginning. And this moment was no different. His first reaction when he learned of these plans was to talk to God. And then he prioritized rest. Like he knew he and his team needed to rest if they were going to have the strength to keep going. So he found a way for them to work in shifts. Mm -hmm. Sure, the wall might have taken more time to build, but it also left them so that they were rested and protected. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he prioritized that rest over completing the project. And he also, he chose community. Like, they were committed to protecting and supporting each other for as long as their opposition lasted. And then he kept going. Like, the job was more difficult than it had been in the beginning, but Nehemiah never stopped. He kept moving forward. He kept adjusting his plans and getting creative in order to continue the work that God had given them to do. And, like, it would be so great if we could say that Nehemiah's opposition ended there, but it didn't. Like, he faced even more obstacles in chapters 5 and 6, both from his enemies 
and from his fellow Jewish people. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how how much opposition that Nehemiah faced in all this. And you read it and, like, you can get pretty discouraged quickly for Nehemiah. Oh, yeah. Listening to all the things that he had to work through and push through and all the people that that grumbled or complained or, or even some of the real questions about how we were going to feed ourselves and 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 all the other defenses because some some of the things that came in opposition were genuine concerns Mm -hmm. and some of them were just poor people doing mean things right and you kind of he he had to deal with both yeah it would have been very easy for him to be discouraged but he constantly is is going back to god and praying and bringing the community together and pretty much we could talk about this order of things, he would bring it to God, and then he would keep going. Yeah. He brought it to God, and he kept going, and he kept doing that over and over again throughout every section of opposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he brought it to God, and then because he knew what God's heart was, he made sure that they kept going, but he also took care of his people along oh, yeah. the way. Definitely. Which, I know, Evan, you've joined youth ministry at the weirdest time. It's been an interesting because time, Because of dude. COVID. You haven't had really... Any big events or conferences or mission trips yet? Anything like that? I know we have some planned, but that's the thing about anytime you're working with a God-sized goal or God-sized plan, it doesn't go according to your plan. Mm -hmm. And Nehemiah found that as well. Like the plan he had originally set in motion had to keep adapting and being changed because new things happened all the time. Like I can tell you, like there have been mission trips that we have gone on where we had a plan plan was going well and then you know maybe we you know maybe maybe we lost five out of eight tires on the vans yeah or maybe we, hypothetical situation of course yeah. or we had a situation where um we had a student that had to go to the hospital because he broke his ankle hmm. and so like all of a sudden plans had to change yeah. But that didn't mean we were our goal was not able to be accomplished. Yeah, we could still accomplish the goal even though it looked a little different. Mm-hmm. Also, day one of mission trip, student breaks their ankle. That's got to be rough for the student who went on the mission trip. It was. So we also had to adapt and find ways that he could use his gifts and abilities from a position in a wheelchair, yeah. like seated. And Nehemiah kind of, he made sure, I'm sure he did that same thing. All those people that were listed in Nehemiah chapter 3, they used the gifts and abilities they had in the ways that they could. Mm -hmm. And that required adjusting some plans in order to make sure that the people were being effective and being used how they needed to be. Yeah, I mean, it's like you were saying earlier, Nehemiah wasn't a a worker. He was a cupbearer, right? He didn't do... A lot of the hard work and he may have had the idea to build a wall but i doubt he actually knew the steps of building a wall or fixing a wall that was in in shambles he needed people around him with different skill sets different abilities to plan and um actually build it and he needed multiple people who had those those abilities so yeah yeah you, you can't do it by yourself but you also have to be willing to adapt and to lead people through um, the difficulties. Yeah. And I mean, you know, not to scare you or anything, but I have never had a trip go exactly according to plan. I've been on many a missions trip and they haven't gone to... Actually, on one missions trip, I woke up one morning throwing up. Threw up five times in a single day. That's not good. On a missions trip. It was not good. It lasted for the whole day and then I was fine the next day. But on that day was the day that we were planning on building and painting and doing... Um, some stuff for the church that we were volunteering at. So, you know, my team had to kind of pick up the slack of me not being there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they did good and we pushed through and we, we did what we set out to do. So, yeah, that's like, I mean, every day here during COVID, even if you're not on an intense missions trip like that, every day with God is the same thing. True. Right. Sometimes the God-sized goal is I just want to grow closer to God. But how do you do that when... You know, you're you're doing school or you're you got homework to do and you have the responsibilities of work or maybe COVID has you kind of stuck in your own brain a little bit and you're feeling more anxious and, and more depressed. Like those are those are issues and those are difficulties that 
can get in the way. But we do the same thing Nehemiah did, yeah. right? We bring it to God and then we keep going. Yep. Because eventually we'll grow and we'll see the end product. Oh, yeah, definitely. Nehemiah chapter 6, we've gone through 4 and 5 where there's more opposition. Uh, we get to chapter 6. And at one point in chapter 6, well, through that point, Nehemiah was receiving like a series of terrifying letters and death threats. Like there was opposition he did not expect. And these men did not want Nehemiah to finish this wall. But Nehemiah responds in a crazy way. Nehemiah 6.9 says, They were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. So I continued the work with even greater determination. He goes, ah, that's cool, guys. Let's work harder. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, like, oh, I'm getting people that are saying they're going to kill me if I keep working on this wall. I guess we'll just work a little harder. That yeah. sounds like a good thing to me. My my version says it kind of like a prayer, but now my God's strength in my hands. So he did the same thing. He kind of recognized, okay, these guys are just trying to scare us. God, help us work harder. Let us, and, and he did. Yeah. And I think that's interesting that Nehemiah, in the face of opposition, asked God for the strength to finish the work God had given him. Like, it could have been, hey, God, I would like some protection. I would like these people to be dealt with. I would Something like that. But he said, I would like the strength to finish the work that you have assigned me, which I think is really interesting. And, you know, hundreds of years after Nehemiah lived, there was another man with a God-sized goal, and that was to spread the good news of Jesus to the whole world. And his name was Paul. And he was one of the leaders of the early church. Mm. And at some point during Paul's ministry, he wrote a letter to a young man named Timothy, who he was mentoring to encourage him. Mm -hmm. And I, I enjoy the books of First and Second Timothy um, because they are letters that I would love for someone to send to me. Yeah. If that makes sense. They're very relatable letters. Like the way that they're written remind you of like a mentor speaking to someone under his charge and wanting to see the success of this person. And even though it's, you know, first and second Timothy, you can almost put yourself yeah. in into the letters and they still ring true. Yep. Yeah. And Paul knew that Timothy was going to face opposition. He was going to face struggles. And in first, second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Hmm. And I think that one relates to Timothy, but it also relates back to Nehemiah. Yeah. God did not give Nehemiah a spirit of fear and timidity, but he did give him power and love and self-discipline. Yeah. Nehemiah had the power to plan and to rally this entire city full of people to this cause he had the love to care for them and make sure that they were being cared for and that they were rested and protected and then he had the self-discipline to keep going mm -hmm. even in the face of obstacles and opposition and death threats yeah my 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 bible says for god has not given us a spirit of fear but one of power love and sound judgment Ooh. so a very similar idea with self-discipline but i think it's also interesting I don't know what the original words were, but you can also, I guess, translate them or get the understanding as sound judgment. And we see that in Nehemiah. I, I kind of read into Nehemiah chapter um, or 6, verses 10 yeah. to 14. And in that particular section, people are actually hired to intimidate Nehemiah mm -hmm. and ruin his credibility with the people in such a way that was kind of like a roundabout kind of way where they were trying to trick Nehemiah into doing something that um, maybe would have self-protected him or, or do something else. And, and Nehemiah kind of sees through the lies and sees through um, the falsehood that yeah. the people were carrying. And he really does, you know, he doesn't, over, he knows how much power he has and he uses it wisely. His love for his people is continuously striving him to protect them yeah um and stir them on and then his self-discipline and his sound judgment allowed him to know when and where and how to respond to those threats uh, and difficulties 
in a wise way, in a God-led way. Yeah. Whew. It's good stuff, man. It is good stuff. The Bible's amazing. <laughs> and here's the thing. It's amazing because we see what Nehemiah, Nehemiah was going through. We see that these words were also directed at Timothy. But we all know what it's like to face obstacles. Mm-hmm. And that that's never more true than when we are trying to chase God-sized goals. Yeah. Like, although God never promises the process will be easy, he does promise us these things. He promises us that we don't need to be afraid. Mm-hmm. He promises us that God's spirit will be with us. And he promises us that God will give us strength. Yeah. Never promises it will be easy. Never promises it won't be hard. Never promises we won't face opposition. Mm-hmm. But along with strength, Paul mentioned love and self-discipline too. And when God gives us these God-sized goals, the challenges and opposition we face can be a gift. Mm. Like the resistance helps us to strengthen our faith muscles, to grow in love and to develop grit. It's kind of like that if you're lifting weights, the resistance is actually what builds muscle. Yeah. If you're only lifting what is easy for you to lift, you're not needing to develop stronger muscles. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm I'm with my small group, my boys' small group. We're yeah. working through the book of James, right? And we haven't actually hit it yet, but as I was reading, what we're talking about reminds me of James chapter 1, verse 2, okay. where it says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Yeah. So... I mean, just like you said, sometimes it's the challenges and the oppositions that we face. They really can be a gift, and we can find joy in them because even though they're difficult, when we push through them and when we allow God to help us, it strengthens us, and we grow in love until we're mature. Yeah. Not just in a spiritual sense, but also in a life sense. We gain that wisdom. It's a theme throughout the whole Bible. Yeah. That trials and, and struggles will definitely come but they will also, with God, help us become who we were meant to be and help us accomplish what we were called to do. Yeah, no matter what the world throws at us, God gives us the strength to pursue the God-sized goals that he has given to us. Mm -hmm. Which is so cool. Super, super cool. And, you know, sometimes it seems like our challenges become the most difficult really just before we cross the finish line. Yeah. Like right when we can see the end in sight— that's sometimes when we get hit with the hardest opposition. Yeah. Nehemiah didn't get hit with the hard stuff as they were starting. It was when the uh, Sambalat and Tobiah saw that, oh, this is actually happening. And as they progressed, that's when it became the opposition became much harder. That's why it's called the final stretch. Yeah. Right? It's that last little bit that's it can be the hardest to push through. Yeah. It. Yeah, definitely. And Evan. Yeah. You were born in 92. I was born in 1992. And you know what else happened? You were born in summer of 92. I, I was. Do you know what else happened in summer of 92? I, I don't. In, enlighten me. Okay. So it was the Olympic Games. Mm-hmm. We had the Olympic Games. And during that Olympic Games, there was a there was a, a race that was going on. We had the 400-meter race that okay. was happening in the Olympics on the track. Is that a sprint or is that a long distance race? I, I can't that's con- that's considered a sprint. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, four hundred meter race, nineteen ninety two Olympics, and there was a Olympic athlete from England named Derek Redmond. Mm. He was a runner, and he had planned and prepared and trained hard for this. I mean, obviously, he's in the Olympics. Yeah, he's you don't get in the- into the Olympics by just lazing around. Right. I believe it was actually the semifinal race in the Olympics. And he's running and 250 meters away from the finish line. So he's only gone 150 meters. His hamstring tore in the middle of the race. Obviously, everyone else that's racing continues on. They cross the finish line. Mm -hmm. And the camera, I wasn't alive. I've only seen it in video. Mm -hmm. The camera pans back. To Derek Redmond, who is still so far behind, everyone else has finished, and he gets up and he starts hobbling and limping along 
continuing the race. Mm. Like he is he has torn his hamstring. Not like a yeah. That yeah, that's not like oh that's I, not, I, just, I hurt my ankle. I twisted it weird. Yeah, that's not it's not a boo boo. Yeah, that's no. like a that's an injury. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pain. Yeah, and so Derek Redmond, two hundred and fifty meters to go, starts kind of hobbling his way along. He wants to finish. He wants to get there, and then he just gets overwhelmed by the pain. Hmm. Overwhelmed to the point. Where he is like slowing down, he is crying as he is running this race, and then out of the stands, I don't know how it happened. I'm, security is not now like it used to be. I guess I'm I'm sure. Well, we'll yeah, we'll get into it. <laughs> but his dad runs out from the stands and grabs his son and helps him to finish the race. Mm. He is walking alongside his son. His son is putting almost all of his weight on his dad. And they continue the race, and then he crosses the finish line. It's good stuff. Well, it was horrible for him. It was horrible. But, I mean, I, I think it, it, it showcases something beyond just winning the race. Yeah. Right? This was this was the, the, the top-of-the-line athletes of the day, right? This is the Olympics. And like you said, this was the semifinal race. So we're people have been cut from this already. Right. And he managed to get this far. He wasn't going to leave there not having done his hardest and finishing everything that he did. Yeah. And he couldn't do it by himself. You could he could not have finished that race on a torn hamstring. Probably not without any He might he might have crawled. He, he may might have, have given crawled. up. Yeah. But he didn't do it alone. Right. And that's even that's more powerful than him crawling through the finish line. Right? He had his father behind him, mm -hmm. carrying him all the way to the end. Yeah. And I, I think the reason I brought that up is because ex exactly what you were saying. When we are following God and Jesus and we're chasing God-sized goals and we're running that race, we are never alone. Our Father is with us. Mm. Like, God will give us the strength. God will even carry us when we can't keep going on our own. If it is a God-sized plan that God has put into motion, God is going to carry us to its completion, even if we are hobbling along. Mm -hmm. And that's, it's just a really cool image to know that God will be there. God has got our back yeah. no matter what goes on. And I, each of us have goals. It might be a small God-sized goal. They have those small God-sized goals of maybe, you know, making a difference for Jesus in your school or in your family or in your circle of friends. Yeah. Something that's bigger than you that you can't do on your own that you need God for, even if it's small, not building a wall around an entire city kind of yeah. thing. But when you get to a place where you need strength, when you have opposition, there are a few things that I think we can learn from Nehemiah about how to move forward through opposition to our God-sized goals. Yeah. And the first, just like Nehemiah, I think we need to take it to God. Yeah. Like Nehemiah was in constant communication with God, but this was even more so true when he was facing opposition. And like when we are struggling with the goals God has called us to pursue, it, I think our first question would, should be, what does it look like for us to talk to God more regularly? And what would we ask God for? And what would we say? Yeah. Just taking it to God needs to be our first step, especially if it's God's plan and goal. Yeah. And I think it's also important to note how Nehemiah chose community. Mm -hmm. Like God gives us strength through the Holy Spirit, but God also gives us strength through community, through other people. Yeah. Like we he, were not designed to pursue God-sized goals alone. He never not brought his community in. You see what I did there? Double negative. Double, Makes double negative, yes. He always brought his community. There you yeah, go. There it is. But but that's what he did. No matter what opposition was faced, he always not only brought the community in, but did everything that he could to keep them safe and protected and always pushing forward. Yeah, and he also leaned on them. Mm -hmm. Like, he leaned on them for support, knowing he couldn't do it on his own. Yeah. And so when we're facing opposition and when we're starting a plan, I think it's important for us to surround ourselves with people that we trust. Yeah. And I, this might be a little weird way of taking it, but it's also important to help other people with their plans. Yeah. 
right? You have gifts and skills and abilities that might help someone else accomplish what God has called them to do. And sometimes you'll find that helping others accomplish their goals will also help you accomplish your yeah, goals. Definitely. So not only choose community to bring in, but also be a part of someone else's community. Yep. Definitely. So what else? For, well, first we take it to God, we choose community, and then I think it's really important that we, we rest. Mm-hmm. Nehemiah asked God for strength to keep going, but he knew he and the rest of the community community needed to rest too. I mean, we weren't designed to hustle forever. So what would it look like for you to make rest a priority? Hmm. Like when you're feeling overwhelmed, weak, or tired, what helps you feel rested and renewed so you can keep going? Yeah. Maybe it's it's sleep. Maybe it's time with your friends, time by yourself, time away, time away from the internet and your devices. Yeah. I know like there are times when I need physical rest. I need to literally just just sleep. But there are also times when the rest I need involves me doing something like going on a hike. Hmm. I just need to get away. Yeah. I need to get out into God's creation and I need to refocus and reset and rest there. Yeah. Not sleep out there because, you know, dangerous a little bit. I mean, it's coyote mating season. so Slightly dangerous, yeah. Slightly. I, I think, you know, when, and that's an important thing is time away from your internet and your devices. We're so stuck on technology nowadays that, I don't know about you, but when you said time away from my internet and my devices, I kind of like tensed up a little bit. Like, but that means I have to give my phone away. right? And I th- I'm thinking to myself, if, if I'm having that much struggle unplugging, I probably need to do it more often. Yeah. I think it's very easy for that to become an addiction in our lives. Mm-hmm. Something that's hard for us to think about going without. Yeah. When in reality, God could call us to give up anything at any time. Yeah. Yeah. So we have take it to God, choose community, rest, and then we also have don't get distracted. Ooh, that's a good one. Hard for me. Hard for lots of people. I, I squirrel very quickly. Mm-hmm. We spent the first three minutes of this talking about Star Wars. That at least three minutes. At least probably more like that. <laughs> probably more. <laughs> and like when we're following God, here's the thing. Not everyone is going to like it or support your God-sized goals. Mm. And that's okay. Like it's not your job to please everyone. All you need to worry about is pleasing God and staying close to the people who want what's best for you and want to help you accomplish God's goals. Mm. Sometimes that means we need to learn to ignore certain voices that could be extremely difficult yeah but i think i think when you when you begin to understand that when you're close to god and when your focus is pleasing god he will guide you to the people that you need to be around yeah and he'll also guide you away from the people that might not be mm-hmm. who you need to listen to and you can still respect people oh yeah without necessarily taking into account their advice or their words or their beliefs right so we're not saying be rude to people right but you don't have to take in what everyone else is saying um god will give you the wisdom and, and that the people he'll surround you with the people that you need yep oh yeah 100 percent. so we take it to god we choose community we rest and we don't get distracted and we finally we keep going mm. never stop running <laughs> just keep swimming just keep swimming just keep hey swimming. evan i think you got distracted sorry <laughs> gotta keep going um so sometimes it just means we need to take a deep breath mm. and just know that if we are breathing if we can do that it means that we're still here and that we have another chance to keep going yeah opposition is going to come things will get difficult but if you know jesus You've got the spirit of God inside of you, filling you with strength and power and love and self-discipline. And with God, you can keep going. No matter what our goals are, what our God-sized goals are, by taking it to God, choosing community, resting, not getting distracted, and keeping on going, we can continue to work towards those goals, yeah. especially if our goal honors God or was given to us by God. Mm-hmm. Then God will definitely help us to see it through no matter what comes. Yeah. And I think we can take it from Nehemiah, Paul, and Timothy. God gives us strength to pursue God-sized goals, yeah. even in the face of opposition. 
definitely. And it's it's crazy to think of all of the other characters in the Bible who have done that, right? You mentioned Paul. Paul not only had a God-sized goal, and not only did he face opposition, but he never actually saw his goal to fruition, right? Right. Paul worked his entire life sending the mission out. His goal didn't actually have an ending. Paul's mission in life was to preach the word to the Gentiles and do those things. So even though by the end of Nehemiah, Nehemiah gets to see his finished product. That doesn't happen all the time, right? Paul's goal was just to reach out to as many Gentiles as he could. And eventually he wanted to get to Rome and he got to that point and then died. Right. Right. And so he, he eventually, some say that he wanted to make it all the way to Spain and start preaching in, in that area. He never got there. True. Right? But in one of his letters, he also says, I've, I, I've finished the race. I have fought the fight. And he does those things. And he, he is a great example of, um, you know, he, he did rest. He did choose community. He, he um, didn't get distracted from his goals. And he always kept going. And he was always connected to God. So Nehemiah, Paul, you know, the 12 disciples, even Jesus did, did this too. He got distracted. Or, or he didn't get distracted, but he, had, he faced opposition and he kept going. You know, if, if we see that in the Bible... God can also do that with us. Yeah, definitely. God can work all of those things in our current day and in our life as they are. Definitely. Okay, I think it's time to wrap up the fire pit, Evan. I think it is. I prayed last week. Do you want to pray this week? Sure, but first I just want to let you know. Oh, boy. Nub, Star Wars character. Return of the Jedi piloted the Millennium Falcon with Lando Calrissian. Huh, the little fish dude. Little fish dude. Okay. His name was Neenub? Neenub. Wow. Yep. He has a funny laugh. He does. <laughs> so there you go. Star Wars character that starts with N. <laughs> I still... I, yeah, you, now you'd won doubly. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Right. Well, I'm going to pray for us, then we'll, you know, pour some water on this fire pit for now. And here we go. next week. God, we thank you for this day and bringing us here together, Lord. And we ask that you will continue to help us with the God-sized goals that you have placed in our lives. No matter the opposition that comes, help us to always go to you first, to rest, to choose community, to not get distracted and to keep going because you have given us these goals for a reason and a purpose and they are to honor you and honor and love your people. And we ask that you will help us to figure out those goals for ourselves and help us all stay healthy and safe. We pray all this in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thanks for coming to the fire pit, y'all. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.